Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag podcast presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, we are back. It's episode 56 and happy new year. Uh, I know that we were recording after the new year, but we just still wanted to take a moment to say welcome to 2023. We are so, so happy to be here. We have a year filled with awesome content and exciting new episodes. And as always, I'm here with Kristen Torres, our mental health counselor. How are you doing, Kristen? Good, good. And happy new year to you too, Nicole, and and everyone listening. We're glad you guys are here. We've made it. We're in 2023. I know. I can't believe it. So on that note, um, we have so much behind us, right? Like we have done so many episodes on how do we heal from sexual abuse, but it's almost like what you said, like we've made it. Okay. So now, and you may be coming and you may not have walked through healing. Um, and, and so I recommend go listen to past episodes, you know, get a counselor, get into a healing group that we offer at trees of hope. Um, but this year, 2023, I want to look at things a little bit differently. I want to talk more about how do we live that that thriving life? How do we live? Um, I hate to use the word abundant because it's such a prosperity gospel type word, but how do we live a life that is just filled with so much joy, even when life is hard? Because it's not like, oh, 2023 is going to be here. And then all of a sudden, easy life comes because we're past like COVID time and different things like that. No, like struggles are going to come and problems are going to come. And so how do we keep walking forward and lean into having a joyful spirit and a joyful heart? So that's actually what we are talking about today. I've titled this uh, episode, How to Rejoice Always. But before we get into it, Kristen, disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just, we just want to remind everyone to... Um, before we get started, that everything we talk about is for informational, educational purposes only. It doesn't actually um, constitute advice or take the place of advice from your doctor or your therapist, because it's very likely we may not know you or or your story. So we want to make sure um, that you're listening to the people that are uh, around you, you know, for how the decisions you need to make in your life. So yeah, glad you're here though. Yeah, we are so glad you're here. And so You know, you may have heard my beginning and thinking to yourself, Nicole, you have no idea what my life is like or what I've been through. So there's no way for somebody like me to rejoice always. Um, And I understand that. So you may be somebody who's been sexually abused multiple times. You may be somebody who was sexually abused by a family member. You may be somebody who has deep depression or you've lost a loved one, or you've been through some very traumatic experience. You may be even somebody who's been trafficked. I I don't know the story exactly. But what I do know is that we always, always, always have an opportunity to choose joy, 
even in the midst of suffering. And so happiness is not the same as joy. We may not be able to choose happiness all the time. I know for me, I'm definitely not able to like when I'm hurt or when I'm sad or when I've got a lot of anxiety, the last thing I can think of is like, hey, how do I get real happy real quick? And to be honest, it's disingenuine. It's okay to feel whatever you're feeling in that moment, right? You don't have to always revert it and be like, well, you should be happy right now. So choosing joy is something that is totally different. And we're going to get into that. And we can always choose joy. So you may be somebody who might not be suffering right now. So for me, I'm not suffering right now. I'm not going through something that's like making me suffer, but I am going through different things that are causing me fears or doubts or worries or that are giving me anxiety or making me even doubt um, who God is and who God is in my life. But we can always lean into God's joyful nature. And so when the dark times come and anxiety fills our heart, instead of of letting it paralyze us, we can let it give us um, an opportunity to choose joy or to lean into God and who he is. So when we suffer, we have pain in our life. We can tap into the joy of the Lord which renews our strength every day. And I hate cliche Christian statements, but it really is something that, you know, this, this statement has really been a, um, an impactful statement for this time period in my life. I've had to ask myself when I'm getting hit with um, emotional things that hurt my heart or when someone has hurt me or when somebody does something that lets me down, I have to ask myself, okay, Nicole, what are you going to do? Are you going to let it affect you and let it overwhelm you or hurt you, paralyze you? Or can you choose joy? And I'm like, okay, I have an opportunity to choose joy here, right? So how do we do that? Well, first, you know, we can't just do it unless we have something to lean into. And like I've said over and over, we have to lean into God. But how do we lean into God? We have to do it by being present and patient in God's presence and leaning into his promises in his word. So that means, yes, we have to read his word. Um, We cannot expect to know God, to know his heart, to know his promises, to know what he has for our lives, unless we read the only thing that represents who he is or speaks on his behalf. And that is the Bible. So If you're a Christian, one of the things that you can rest your heart on is that if you believe in Christ, no matter what happens to you, you can't lose, right? So you could, um, well, I'll share this. So I'm going through something right now where I've had to go down the list of what's the worst thing that could happen to me, right? Right. Like what is my biggest fear? And so my biggest fear is like, I could die, (laughs) So I had to go, okay, so if I do die, what, what could, what, what could happen? And the Bible talks about if I'm a Christian, I've given my life to Christ. I am guaranteed heaven. I'm guaranteed sitting in heaven with Jesus Christ, my Lord and savior. So is that really that bad? No, that's actually really awesome. So when I think about it in that way, I'm like, okay, cool. I can actually 
convert what is negative in my mind of death, dying, leaving my family and all that stuff as, but it's a really positive thing. I could end up being with Jesus. Then the other negative things that come into my mind, okay, well, I could um, be handicapped for the rest of my life or, um, you know, maybe this thing that I'm scared of can cripple me or it could um, change me. It could make me feel like this is the worst traumatic experience I've ever had. And it was like, but do you still have Jesus on this side of heaven? Do you still have his comfort and his peace? Yeah. Um, has God given you a strength and a resilience to overcome obstacles? Yeah, he has. Okay, cool. So then when I start going down that list, I'm like, I really can't lose here. So I really can't get overwhelmed or over or allow it to overtake my heart. So Kristen, you heard me talk a little bit about this. What does this concept mean to you? And how does having the joy of the Lord as your strength, how has, how can that be something in someone's life to help them overcome and to do what I have to do? Like think differently. Yeah. I think the irony of joy is that, um, that before you can experience it, we, we need to acknowledge what's actually true around us. Meaning the truth of the pain that we may be in, the truth of the pain we may be um, facing or we have faced, the things that have happened to us. Like I think, in other words, it's based on truth. We're not lying to ourselves and saying, it's not that bad. You know, what has happened isn't that bad. Or I don't, or this situation I'm going through isn't that bad. No, sometimes the situation that you've gone through or uh, in the past or what you're going through now is that bad. However, God is still with me. His promises are still true. Um, and he has still forgiven me and he still loves me because there's so much that he's forgiven us for, right? Like sometimes I think we forget um, the reality of how much we have been forgiven. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why it's it's, it's good to take a, a, a reality check look at, um, wow this is where I came from, or this is what, um, these are the choices I've made, or these are the things that I have done. And he still chose me. He still picked me. He still chooses me. He's still with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've told him to get out of my face and he's still with me, right? Like we've all gone through times, right? Um, potentially anger, confusion, um, or frustration, what, you know, with the Lord even, and he's still there. So how could that not then bring joy into our lives? And that's what I would say with that, like different than happiness, which I think is dependent upon happiness is fine, by the way, who doesn't like happiness? Like I like happiness. I'm cool with that, (laughs) but it's a temporary thing. You know, happiness is a temporary thing. And a lot of times it's really dependent upon the circumstances around us, you know, like things going well, like, I'm so happy that dinner was great last night. That's so cool. That was a blessing. That's great. Right. But happiness is dependent upon a lot of things. Whereas joy it doesn't, it doesn't, it isn't dependent upon the circumstances around you. In Mm -hmm. fact, I think it requires us to acknowledge how crappy sometimes that it has been, but yet, but yet we are still loved. We are still forgiven and we still have our eternal destination. When all else fails, God is with us and he is for us and we are loved even if we can't fully grasp all of that. And again, how could that then not produce joy? 
right lives and that's kind of how i see it like we don't have to put aside the realities of being in this world and the 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 injuries that we get from being in a fallen world to experience joy in fact i think we need to recognize all of that and realize what's true at the same time is that god is still for us and with us and will be with us forever right he loves us forever and we're secure in him and again how could that then not produce joy right and there's such a peace in that it's, and when, when we talk about joy, I mean, for me, it may not be this like jumping up and down type thing. It may just be, um, a, a peace that surpasses all understanding or it a may be internal experience, right? Yeah. Like a comfort that you can't explain, right? Like, um, and I remember times in my life as being a Christian, um, where like I had major loss. Um, you know, I remember one time I had a, a miscarriage and I was so sad. I remember talking to my friends and I was just like, I could not like get it together, but my heart craved listening to the Bible and my heart craved listening to worship music. And I found, I couldn't explain it. Like my husband was like, is everything okay? And I was like, I'm good. Like, I can't explain it. Like I'm super sad, but I still have this thing that I can't explain of, it's almost like a hopeful, uh, feeling like a hope, like I know it's going to be okay. Like tomorrow is going to bring sunshine. And, and one, one of the things that I have found is that when you are, um, trying to find the joy of the Lord, sometimes it does require you to wait right? Like being patient and saying, you know, what are you doing here, God? Right? Like I need that joy that, that we're, that we're talking about. And so, you know, Jesus is a great example. He's always been a great example for me of a man who never is in a rush, right? To rush God's plans, rush God's, um, what God's doing. He's always, every time he's, he's never in a hurry, right? So he's, when he was going to save Lazarus, he walked, (laughs) he took three days, right? I think it was three days he took to get there. Right. Everyone else was freaking out. Like, like, dude, where are you? He's your friend. Um, when he went to go help the, um, the guy who was, uh, terrorizing the city and he brought, rode his boat over and he was demon possessed. You, you know, me, I'm like a get it done kind of girl. So I'm like, boom, we got to go. Like, this is like, how fast can we get there? You know? And no, he's so chill and relaxed. But when he gets there, he's like, he's quick, he's quick to move, but never freaking out. And there's just, what is that? That is like, he seems to just always have this like calmness about him on the journey or what he's doing. Sure. And so it's got me thinking, so where does, where does joy begin? Um, In my opinion, it definitely begins in knowing and obeying Jesus. So in John 15, nine through 11, Jesus says, and before I read this, I just want to say, I never read, you know, I don't know if you guys are like me, but when I read the Bible, 
I'll read it sometimes and I just I'm like da 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 and I'm and I'll just go through scripture, right? Just reading line, line, line. But when I stop and really read it and I'm like, whoa, that I never saw that sentence there, or I never knew it meant that. And that's why we say get into the Bible, read the Bible every day if you can, or try to make it a priority in your life because it's a living, breathing document that will speak to you differently every day if you're willing to open it up and read it. So I go back. So it's John 15, 9, 11. And it says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that if you want the joy of the Lord, right? The one that he has because he's in in God, it begins by obeying Jesus and following him even when it's hard by obeying my commands. He says it straight up here. And what I have found is, is that when you obey God, it creates less laws in your life. When you disobey God and you break one rule or one thing, it creates more rules and more laws that you have to follow or more um, boundaries that you have to have, right? So the boundaries or when it says obey my commands, they're not there to hurt you or to make you have like this stupid life that's just boring and stinks. Because I can tell you as an edgy Christian, I I don't live a boring life. Okay. No one can say that, but there's boundaries that I have in my life where I go, like, for instance, um, you know, if something is tempting to me, uh, that I know is, um, if I do it, it could open the door for other things to happen. It's not God punishing me by saying no to this thing, right? It's actually God blessing me when he protects me and loving me. Exactly. Protecting me. Yes, And so the sin in the moment will tell me, oh, he just doesn't want you to have that, that thing. Right. And there's been times where I've been like, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to do what I want to do here. And I just want to do this sin, but it never fulfills. It never feels as good as it promises before the sin happens. Right. And so it sucks because then you'll do it. And then what happens right after you always feel a sense of shame or a sense of regret. And that's, you know, that has plagued me in my past. And definitely even like, it could be some, something silly as just losing my cool on somebody like in the moment, you know, cause that's for me, that's my biggest thing. I'm like, I want to just tell people off. Like I have a thing of just like, you did something wrong. Therefore I need to confront you and I need, and I can do it tactfully, which to me is not sinful, but I can do it not tactfully and go in hard. And my husband always has to say to me, um, I think you're coming in on with vengeance on that one. So let's do it the kind way. <laughs> but the vengeance beforehand feels good. Like, especially when I'm preparing my speech, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to deliver this message. And then when I'm doing it like politely, I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. This is not going to land <laughs> the way that I want. <laughs> They're not going to hear me. Um, but I'm glad that I have a husband who's able to say to me, uh, yeah, yeah. you're being a little vindictive there, like chill out. (laughs) So, 
you know, it doesn't have to be some big old sin, like having an affair or doing heroin. It can be something as simple as flicking somebody off, uh, losing your cool, um, gossiping about somebody. Um, you know, and so I have to even like gossip, like right before I send a text message, sometimes I have to ask myself, like, what fruit is this going to do in your life? And is this like really obeying God? And sometimes I'm just like, screw it. I just really want to send this to my friend. Cause you know what? They're going to be like, Oh, how'd you know that? And right after I always feel a sense of regret and what has to happen after I have to start like you know, being care like, okay, well, what if this person then finds out that I'm the one who said that, or, you know, and then it's like a whole host of now all these other rules are now going to be placed on my life when I could have just stopped. Self control, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the things that the Lord ha- tells us that we need to have is self control, right? It's, right. That's all. This is all of us. Right. And it just looks different in everyone's lives what that self control is, but you're totally right. And by practicing the self-control, the fruit of that is so much more peace and joy. Whereas when we go against that, then we hit more, so much more turmoil. Exactly what you're describing. Totally. So, you know, if you're anything like me, it's not easy to stay joyful when things are hard or when you're being faced with trying times or anxiety or fears. But again, there's a huge difference between being happy, which is just an emotion, to being joyful, which is that decision, that it's a choice. It's a decision we have to make. So I actually want to read to you guys um, a a verse from Philippians also. But before I do, I, I thought I did a little research on the book of Philippians, and I thought it was really interesting, a couple of things that stood out which is number one, it's a very small book in the Bible. There's only 104 verses, but there's 16 different spots where the Paul, where the writer Paul uses the word rejoice or joy, which tells whenever I see something consistently in the Bible, it tells me this is important, right? Like lean yep. into this. Yep. So and what's even more incredible about this book is that Paul is writing it this entire letter while he's in jail and he's waiting execution. So there's no like hope, like there's not an appeal process for him. He's not sending in his lawyer to change the verdict. He's there. He's going to die and he knows he's going to die. And yet he's still, it's it's the Philippians is known as the happiest book of the Bible. And to think it's written by somebody who is in chains, they're in bondage. They're unable to literally, really, literally, yes. like it's not just a mental state of mind. Well, and in fact, this pro- this shows also how he may have literally been in bondage and in chains, but mentally he was not because of his him choosing to focus on the Lord and therefore experiencing joy despite the circumstances. Right. Right. Can you imagine? I mean, just like I think of the simplest of things, like if you're, um, chained up and you've got to go number two you that's not fun okay you're like going in front of everyone so it starts to play on your spirit and really beat you down it makes you feel like less than human if you had to go number two in front of a lot of people um that's it's horrible imagine not getting food you know when you want it like you're hungry and you're not able to get your food 
or no one is listening to you, right? Like you have a um, an argument of why you should be free, yet no one is validating that argument. Like we live in a society right now where everyone needs to be validated. Like I see you, I hear you. Yeah, well, the guy that was in jail who was not seen, was not heard, nothing, right? Is still able to tell us, hey, choose joy in all yeah. circumstances. Yeah, yep. So in Philippians 1, 12 through 14, Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So what are a couple of things that we can learn from this area of scripture? So the first one is suffering reveals our priorities. If Paul was comfortable, do you think we would have, he would have motivated people to act courageously or fearlessly? He may have, I mean, we don't know, right? But we do know that when he was comfortable, he actually persecuted Christians, right? Because he was Saul, then he became Paul. When he was Saul, he fought against the Christian movement. He fought against Jesus. Um, But then one day he had a miraculous uh, sighting of God. And and basically God said to him, why are you persecuting me? And then therefore he turned into Paul, who now was a converted person and wanted to um, preach the gospel everywhere he went. He now had a different calling. But this guy's now in jail. So his priority is like friends, followers, hey, get out there. Don't let this message fall on us. This message has to go forth. So therefore, you guys got to be courageous and fearless because guess what? Persecution's coming, guys. Look, I'm in chains. I'm dying. I'm going to (laughs) die. So, you know, my question to you is when you think about what's going on in your life, When you think about your suffering, your anxiety, your fears, your depression, what does it reveal to you about your priorities? Does it reveal to you that you're only focused on yourself? Does it reveal to you that you, you know, want help and you want change and you want to do life differently? What does it reveal to you? All right. Then the next one is what Satan had planned for evil, God will use for good. So think about this. Paul is in jail. He cannot reach as many people as he wanted to with the gospel's message, right? Well, that's what that's what Satan would like him to believe. Like, hey, you're in bondage, bro. Like, you can't reach as many people, right? Like, you can't do a televangelist uh, preaching like, like um, you know, we have on the 500 Club or we have like pastors who do major events like and and the reality is, is that Paul was doing those things, right? He was speaking at large events, kind of they were like impromptu type things, but still he was doing that. And so Satan wants him to think like, sorry, buddy, looks like that message is going to get slowed down. Right. And the reality is, is that that's not never God's plan, right? So Satan could send a message into our hearts and minds of discouragement, but God is going to use that, use that thing, that suffering, that sadness, what seems bad for something good. And 
using the chains, what when God allowed him to Paul to be in chains and being in bondage actually got him in front of people that never in a million of years would he have gotten in front of like the Roman Roman empire, the, um, was it the Roman empire? What's the guy's name? Um, the Roman. King? I don't, I don't know. Emperor. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah. I think it's King. Yeah. It's a King, right? He never would have had that opportunity if he didn't go to jail. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think this is so, so powerful and so challenging, right? It's in other words, how do we not simply look at our circumstances and make the determination that um, nothing good is going to come of this. God has left me. God has forgotten me. God is intentionally punishing me, all those things, right? How do we not let our circumstances speak truth to us, but instead let God speak truth to us, let God have the final say in our stories, right? If it's just our circumstances or the things we've been through or are going through, sometimes it can look very bleak and very dark. But if we allow ourselves to look, change our perspective, right? Just like what you were talking about, that choosing joy, or just like what what Paul amazingly did, because he could have written an entirely different book. He could have sat there in prison and said, like, are you kidding me? God's not real. Look where I am, guys. He forgets me. Don't do anything for him. Don't believe in God. Think about it. He could write in a whole different book. But instead, he like his circumstances. In, he acknowledges exactly what the circumstances were and said, look at the benefit of me being in prison. Mm-hmm. Like, and so how by, and I think he was able to do that supernaturally. Mm-hmm. He was able to do that because the Holy Spirit was working through him, which is what can happen for us. Because yes, God does promise that for those who love him, right? That he will work all things together for good. And so if we take apart any of those things in our lives that have happened individually, a lot of times they can look, there is no good to be found in them, but it's, it's the all things working together, everything coming together to make the full picture. Yeah. That's what he'll use for good. It's everything working together. And that the only person that can do that is the Lord. I know there's guys, there's, there's no other answer. There's just no one else or no other answer that can put all this stuff together and some really dark stuff in some of your lives and some of our lives. Right. And somehow use this for something good, but, but God can, God can, and says that he will in fact do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember two, two stories. One is um, I remember when I was sexually abused, I thought to myself, nothing good can come from this. Right. Like, and as I walk through healing, I, that message of nothing good can come from this remained. But as I began to allow, allow God to work in me, to change the narrative of my mind, to help me see things differently, to change the false beliefs, to remove the shame, to help me feel more empowered and more control of my story. I was able to see that God definitely was using this for good. And, you know, the question then becomes, would I have changed the fact that I had been sexually abused? No. Um, Obviously I don't, I would not have wanted that to happen to me, but of course it, it is 
I can't, I can't go back and change that. Right. There is no, so don't, I don't get myself caught up in the what ifs. What I do know is that it doesn't define me, but it gave me a purpose and a calling and that call purpose and calling may be for 10 years of my life, a short period of my life. It may be the rest of my life. All I know is that it has what Satan wanted to use to keep me in bondage, shame, sadness, um, feeling like I was worthless. God was going to say, I'm going to use that to be a catalyst for you to inspire and encourage other people through a podcast, through being the executive director of Trees of Hope, through writing content, through, you know, whatever it is, you know, and so Yeah. (laughs) So many things, so many things to be someone's friend, to just encourage them to walk through healing, like whatever it is. Um, and then I think about trees of hope during COVID, you know, I remember being on the phone with one of our facilitators at the time. And I said, you know, I'm just feeling so discouraged. What am I supposed to do? Just stop what we're doing. Cause we can't, uh, we, the churches were closed. And then when they reopened, they had the mask mandate for forever. It felt like it felt like a whole year. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? Just stop what we're doing. Just stop what God's called us to do. And, you know, she didn't really have anything for me. And it really and I'm happy that she didn't because she was like, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, I'll, You know what? What to encourage you? She wasn't like negative, but she was like, I just don't know what to tell you. And I'm glad that she said that because she didn't have an answer for me. And so what it made me do is it just made me go back and say, God, what would you have me do here? And it felt in the moment that what that God that Satan was like, you know, aha. I'm once again, I'm uh, people who've been affected by sexual abuse are going to stay in bondage, like kind of like in my face, like, haha, like you can't do anything about this. Right. All of this is out of your control. Meanwhile, here we go. 2022. Boom. Churches open back up. Mask mandates are dropped. And then on top of that, um, we get a phone call out of nowhere of a church in Loxahatchee who has like 75 women who want to walk through healing and just asks us, um, Hey, we heard about your ministry years ago. So someone who had walked through your study years ago wrote, told us about your ministry. Um, is there, do you, can, where can we buy your books? And I was like, no need to buy the books. We've got a whole set for you. So I, we met up, we ended up giving him like, um, like a whole bunch of books and whole bunch of boxes and making it an awesome opportunity to now have a partnership of this church's heart is only, it's not only, but one of the main things that this pastor wants to do is serve people who've been sexually abused because he believes that there's so many people who've been affected by it. And there's so much brokenness that if you don't deal with this, people aren't going to have true connections and true um, changes in their heart with God, like, and and a deep connection and relationship with God. Cause a lot of times uh, Christian survivors minimize or deny that portion of their life. And they do the same thing with God, right? They put a fortress around their heart and don't let God into those areas of their life. Like with saying things like, oh, it doesn't affect me anymore. It's not a big deal. That kind of stuff. Right, right, right. And we we can't do that. We have to deal with it. Yeah, it happens a lot. (laughs) So I just, you know, and the minute that I'm like over here thinking like, we're gonna, this, this ministry is just gonna 
fall. It's just going to crumble. It's just, and it's all on my shoulders. And then boom, you know, God comes in and does something like that. I didn't call this guy. I didn't send out an email. I didn't even send out anything. It was just, uh, someone talked to him and somebody told him to call us and here we are. Right. And so that happens all the time. And I love stories like that because while Satan is trying to destroy, God is trying to do something. God is doing something that is good. <laughs> and we'll have the final say. And we'll have the final say. Yeah, exactly. And they're not, not equal. They're not equal. Exactly. Opposing forces. Exactly. Yeah, so even if right Satan does play a role, just remember that God is the last say on what gets approved and what is the final verdict. What's the outcome? It's really, and, and that's where we find our joy, right? Cause if we know who he is, we know he's good. We know we can trust him and we know we can depend on him and we know he has good things for us, even if in the moment they don't make sense and they don't go the way that we want. And that's hard. And that's, that's hard. hard. Yeah. We're not, that's hard. And I think too, I want to, you know, in this, in the moment in what you just said to Nicole in regards to about trusting God, I think my encouragement to you also is if you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, yeah, but because of all this, I don't trust him. I don't know that I can trust him. I'm struggling when I, you know, and I, when I see God, I, I see my, my earthly father who was abusive you know, any of those things, if it's all kind of convoluted and messy for you, or I think we want to encourage you to talk to someone that you trust about that, to pray. If you feel comfortable praying to God about that, like I'm struggling, Lord, I'm angry or I'm hurt or I'm afraid or any of those things to talk to a trusted person, to talk to, to um, a trusted pastor or a friend or a counselor or whomever that is, but don't just leave your heart in that place where it's like, I don't know. And I'm, I don't know that I trust, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I just want to encourage you not to stay there mm-hmm. to actually name what you're feeling or what you're struggling with. Um, to be, to make space for joy to be possible for you. Right. Exactly. All right. And then the last point is um, maybe, maybe somebody needs to see you suffer well. Right. And so I know that's a lot of pressure on us, um, but it can also be an encouragement to actually just be yourself, your authentic self. Um, so as I've shared before, I'm fostering um, this little boy. He's been with us for almost a year. It's crazy. I can't even believe how time flies. Um, but I love this little boy so much. I I will I would die for him. He's my guy, right? Um, and I hope I get to be his forever family. Is it forever? You know, I hope my husband and I are his parents, but we have to let it play out. But every week we or every other week, we have either have to talk with our caseworker and or she comes here. Um, and there's a lot of times where his parents make poor decisions, they make decisions that are just baffle me that I'm just, I'm constantly in this, um, feeling of like, huh, like these people, it don't make sense, which is fine. But, um, there has been times where she, my caseworker has hit me with stuff that has just 
trampled on my heart. Um, it's like somebody came out of somewhere and now wants, you know, to be in, um, our little guy's life or like, you know, nobody cared up until nine months ago. And now all of a sudden people are trying, right. So it's like this, this constant tug on my heart. And so I have broken down in front of this lady so many times I have been like, I, I can't even tell you, like, I have literally had to be like, I am so sorry. I, I cannot get it together. And she's like, it's okay. And what, what is, what is, what I'm getting at is that I have just been straight up with her. I've been like, Hey, listen, I'm a Christian, but I am so protective of this little guy. And every time they do something like this, um, a side of me comes out that, I, I thought was good. Like I thought I had in check, but is not, um, clearly. So bear with me. And she's like, Oh my God, please. Like you are amazing. You know, she'll always say something so encouraging. I love this lady, but it got me thinking about, um, how many times like Christian people put on this mask of like perfection and they won't be their authentic self in front of a non-believer. I don't know if she's a believer, actually. I, I don't know where she stands, but she's never once mentioned Jesus. Um, and, and be like, cause they're trying to show like, Oh, we've got it all together. And I'm not saying like the way I'm doing it is the right way. But what I'm saying is that I think that her and I will have deeper conversations, deeper times for trust and talking about things when we are just ourselves and we are honest, like, Hey, I, I have no strength right now. I am totally out of control. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling like overwhelmed. Um, but we don't, we don't stay there because I also say to her, um, there's been times where I've lost my cool. I've said bad things about the situation and I, I'll call her after. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> the way that I handled that yesterday was really, um, it was, it was not who I, I am. Um, and as I've mentioned before, like, I'm definitely a believer in Christ and I just don't feel like I, I represented myself well, just owning it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and you can breathe a little better, right? Just mm-hmm. being- you because um the lord is not unfamiliar with our messiness in fact he's right in the middle of all of our messiness as humans because life is messy as much as some of us really like order right Right. and when you've gone through abuse a lot of times you can really love order (laughs) i love order you know a lot of us love order right but at the same time um life isn't always able to be ordered um and that's okay because God is a God of order. And in some way he can make order in the messiness and is patient with us through it. Mm-hmm. So just thank you for being, for being honest and being real, Nicole, honestly, it's still even a sentence that was right. But really thank you for being, for giving that example, because I agree with you. I think it, it says a whole, um, just says a whole lot about you and lets other people kind of just be themselves as well. Yeah. And, you know, I do encourage you though, like know Jesus, right? Know Jesus, know how he wants you to represent yourself and be um, 
comfortable in that. I know for me, I want, um, or I know that God has allowed me to be an edgy person. That means that, you know, as if you don't know me, I have tattoos, I have my sleeve done. I am probably going to be in, in groups where people are tattooed. They're edgy themselves. They probably, you know, look like, you know, people who don't go to church and I can mesh really well in that circle. I also can mesh really, really well in the circle of, you know, the pastor or the pastor's wife or whatever. Um, that's just who God has me to be. Um, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, the girl that I am in front of the tattoo people is not going to stop. It's not going to all of a sudden change and be like somebody else in front of the pastor. Right. Just be you basically. I'm going to be me. Right. And so it may be raw and edgy. And like, as we've shared before, I've said stupid things that are like, sometimes my husband's like, that's street language, Nicole, please don't do that. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know how to shake that up. And he's like, we'll use a different word. And I'm like, okay. And so that's all it is, is maybe just um, spending a little bit more time in, in biblical uh, language and matters, but don't be a weirdo. Like, just please don't be a weirdo. That's all I'm I'm just wanting to make sure. (laughs) It's okay to be you. It's okay to be you. Yeah. It's okay to just be human because life is hard enough. And I think trying to have masks and pretending to be something we're not is is just not helpful. Never good. So the last thing I want to close with is you know, or I want, I have a question to ask you, which is what, what do you cling to in your darkest moments? Right. Do you cling to yourself? Do you cling to, um, new age thinking? Do you cling to, uh, drugs, alcohol? Do you cling to money? Right. For me, for me, my only hope is Jesus. My only hope is Jesus. So that means if my husband loses his job, that means if I lose my job, that means if I lose, you know, my foster child, if I lose my home, if I lose my dogs, my only hope and the only thing I can rest my heart on is Jesus Christ. And I have to remind myself on a daily basis, moment by moment, Don't let circumstances break your joy. Let your joy break your circumstances. I have to do that every day. I'm going through something right now where I have to literally wash myself in that sentence. And it's hard. But if I can do it, you can do it. I promise you because I, any friend that knows me, uh, knows me really well, they know that I can let my... Uh, emotions or my feelings take over, right? And so if I can have self-control and if I can work on this, you can too. I promise you. And then we can do it together and we can be better people, right? And so that's really our message today. And I really hope that this has been an encouraging message for you guys and that, you know, we can find, and we, we know that there is a difference between happiness and joy and that we can find joy in all things, in all circumstances, the good, the bad, and the even ugly, ugly, ugly ones. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. All right. So we will see you next time on episode 57. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for always coming here and and being a part of our family and being, you know, an awesome listener. If this 
episode touched you in any way, please definitely email me. I get DMs all the time on my Instagram or my Facebook of people just saying nice things. And I really, really appreciate that. So if you feel compelled, go ahead and email me at Nicole Escobar at treesofhope.org. All right. We will see you next time. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.